Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels and welcome to my podcast. Today is, uh, let's see here, August 2nd, 2022. And this is my podcast made for my Facebook virtual coaching group. And uh, this is actually Q&A 103. Next week will be my two-year anniversary of my virtual coaching group, which is such an awesome thing. Um, I started TLC in the early 90s, so my business has been going 30 years, but I went to virtual coaching in 2020, and um, I love it, absolutely love it, and um, it's been really fun. We have uh, over, I think, 116 members in 23 states, and it's a really, just a really fun group. So um, this week's topic is going to be um, right from my notebook. Um, chapter seven, common problems and TLC solutions. So I'll be getting into that right away. Um, but first, I want to welcome back some members from Kansas, Avery and Sandra. Um, and then also a huge shout out and congratulations. I had 11 youth riders go to World, uh, MBHA World <clears throat> in Perry, Georgia uh, last week. And six of them are in the virtual group. And the best thing is all six of you should be so proud of yourself. I know I am, and I'm so happy for you. All six of you had a personal best fast time there. And all six of you um, found something that, you know, you improved on. And four of you made it back to the finals, which put you um, getting a finalist buckle. And that's even uh, more exciting for you. And anything else on top of that is icing um, on the cake. But I will say the top time of the weekend goes out to Amelia. And Amelia is only 10 years old. And she ran a 15-2 uh, in the finals to put her 12th in the 1D youth division. So that's exciting. But we had a lot of awesome runs in the 15s and 16s qualifying back 2D, 3D, and the... Uh, Let's see, 2D, 3D, actually, actually, I think it was 2D, most of you qualified 3D and 4D, um, but I think there was a couple 2D times in there with Katrina and Jamie, and um, so that's really awesome, but all of you did have a personal best fast time, so I'm excited for that, and um, so today I will also be drawing for the um, personal best uh, drawing for July, and I have 17 names on there so far. So congratulations to each and, each and every one of you for having a personal best. Remember, we set goals in the beginning of the year. Those have been a mem member since January. We set a big goal for the year, and it's always a good time halfway into the year to look at where you are and kind of um, see, you know, if you need to tweak anything or whatever. But uh, the thing about yearly goals is you kind of have to reverse engineer them to monthly, weekly, and daily. And I promise if you do a little bit every day and you have luck on your side, um, you will get to those goals. And sometimes we don't get them in the timeline that we want. Like I wanted to have 150 members by my two-year anniversary. You know, I think I'm at 116, so I'm short, but I love my 116 members. And I know all of you, um, I've got a new coaching app now since my other app after 10 years is retiring. And my new app has a cooler feature 
where I can put each athlete in their own space and we can track all your progress in one place. And that's nice instead of all the videos. I had like 3,100 videos all lumped into one space in the old coaching app. So it was hard to find things. But this app, I have, you know, one, one rider and all her videos will be in one spot. So I can go back and say, okay, last time she was in this arena, this is how she looked or how she clocked. And it, it helps me to track your progress and it also helps you too. So um, everything else will still be the same though. Don't, don't worry. Um, the app is free to you. I pay an annual fee to have the coaching app. Um, and then of course, uh, everything else is still the same. You can still send me videos via text, email, or Facebook Messenger. I can still send your reviews back to you, Messenger or um, email. They can't go text because they're too big. Um, but everything else is the same. And um, you can choose to have them shared in the group for everybody to learn or celebrate with you. Or you can keep them private. That's okay too. So anyways, um, I'm proud of each of you. I will be doing the drawing later today. Just giving time to give everybody uh, time to get their name on the list. But I'm proud of all of you, all 17 that had a personal best. That's how we get to our big goal, by having those small wins. So um, just keep plugging away a little bit every day and it will happen for you. And then let's see here. Um, you know, we did, did have a lot of awesome things going on um, in the group. I'm excited for all of you. Um, but I am going to go really... Um, the questions that came in this week are kind of the same questions that I was going to discuss in this chapter. So I'm just going to get right into the topic for the day. And uh, the first one, um, but, but before I get into the, the common problems, let me just say that um, if you start a horse with uh, slow, important that you start them slow, with a really solid foundation, um, most problems won't ever happen or if they do happen you have such a good foundation it won't take you but a small tune-up to get your horse back on track so problems can stem from bad basics it can stem from rider cues it can also stem from pain somewhere um, over pressuring them emotionally mentally or not seeing a problem until it becomes a huge problem a lot of times riders say oh they're perfect in practice but we fall apart in competition and I'll say okay send me a video of practice and then I'll look at your video of competition and I'll actually see the rider cue or position issue in the slow work and of course it's going to magnify when you're both going faster and a little bit more adrenaline so those are things to keep in mind as well um you also have to remember that uh Horses will talk to us. Uh, we just have to listen. If you ignore it, they they start talking to you in really big ways. So pay attention to your horses. Watch how they are when they rest at home or at the trailer. Um, watch how they play. You know, notice um, if they have their ears pinned while you're grooming, or maybe they flinch or move away while you're saddling. Um, maybe they can't stand for the farrier or they're stiffer on one side than the other. Um, no one's going to know your horse as good as you. So spend time bonding with your horse, um, you know, grooming them, putting your hands all over them, feeling for heat or swelling, uh, any tight muscles, 
lunge them on a lunge line so it's controlled and not you know round pin wild and crazy but lunge them on a lunge line and and see if they're short strided or keeping their head out or head bobbing or anything like that watch how they move in a circle in a straight line know what's normal for your horse so you know if you lunge them before the farrier and after the farrier that's a good way to see what's normal for your horse as well so um, with that said, a lot of times, too, people rush a horse. You need to give a horse at least two years before you're competing on them, in my opinion. A lot of people disagree with that. A lot of people, trainers will say, oh, in 90 days, I can have them run in 4D. You know, they're, they'll put a lot of basics on them and they'll, they'll put the pattern on them. But it's a rush job and there's going to be holes and hot spots. It's not going to be a horse that's going to last you a decade, a decade and a half, two decades, and um, and not be a, a consistent horse. You know, it's also going to be a horse that maybe doesn't have heart because they've been pressured or because they've been in pain or because they don't understand their job. So I feel I like a year of basics. I like a year of just, you know, trail riding them out in the woods, pastures, um, getting buttons on them you know, flex, fluidity, you know, five body parts broke loose, their face, their neck, their shoulder, their ribs, their hips. You can uh, put their hoof placement where you want it. You've got total connection to their brain at all speeds and, and all situations. And then pattern them. And pattern them is important. A lot of people rush to pattern. Stay at a walk and a trot until that horse can do it in its sleep. Some people might think they get bored, but I don't think so. I think it builds confidence. Horses are repetition, um, consistency animals. If you watch them, they like a sense of order. They eat at a certain time. They lay down. They drink. They do everything, you know, to hang out in certain parts of the pasture at a certain time of the day. They're very much routine, repetition, consistency kind of animals. And um, that's how they learn, too. I'm not saying, you know, run them over and over everybody will get sore and wore out and you only have so many gumballs in the gumball machine before you get arthritis and horses start to break down or slow down. But you can definitely do a lot at a walk and a trot. Horses learn the most, in my opinion, at a trot. So I love transitions. I love post-trot sit jog. If I have a hotter horse, I'll do more walking. Um, but I think horses learn the most at a trot. Um, a lope, they get tired and get wore out faster, but there is a time and a place, especially on the colts, to um, do, do transitions at an extended lope to a collected lope and that kind of thing. So that's important. Um, but one of the first issues that I start seeing with horses is shouldering. Um, you know, one, one of the, I shouldn't say one of the first issues I see, but one of the biggest common uh videos that I get to critique or people that come for lessons or clinics tell me their horses are hitting a barrel going in or shouldering. A horse that is often shouldering or hitting a barrel going in is thinking that rate and turn happen at the same place. People say, well, a horse is cheating me, but it can also be caused by the rider's cue. A rider who's not looking between the horse's ears or not keeping their hands even or their shoulders level and their hips square. Um, not sitting up and riding straight. Even if you sit for rate, still keeping your hands even and your eyes between the ears looking 
deep into the hole, but not down their neck, not at the barrel, not moving or dropping your hand or lifting your hand. Um, all of those things can cause a horse to turn and hit the barrel and drop their shoulder. If you drop your shoulder, they'll drop their shoulder. If you lift your hand and cross the withers, you're going to slow them down. They're going to think that's the turn cue. So you have to learn to separate rate and turn. Rate is just sitting but still riding straight. Um, so some things that you can re-educate your horse um, doing that is a lot of people hit that second barrel. It's a tough one. You got to move over, change leads, and it's a full turn where first barrel is three quarters and third is only a half. You know, this one's a full circle. You can't pivot till spot three, the exit. You got to stay in four wheel drive. So that's a challenge for the stiff rollback horse for sure. You got to keep your legs on them. You got to keep your hand low and forward and driving all the way around that barrel. But straighter longer is a great drill to take the horse and walk all the way to their your leg or their hips at the barrel. And if you feel any anticipation out of them, you keep your hands even and just smooch or drive them with your feet up in there and then stop and rest them and pet them on the butt and then walk around that barrel. Let them see that barrel in their rear view mirror. Teach them that rate happens before the barrel turn doesn't happen until their butts at the barrel. So, um, you know, at least your legs at the barrel. You don't want them turning when their shoulder gets the barrel because then you only get half the horse around the barrel and that's how we hit barrels. So um, <clears throat> the next thing to think about, sorry, my throat, um, is in and outs. Some horses think, oh, there's a barrel I want to drop in. They start to get anticipating. So I like in and outs for a tune-up. I don't do it in competition. I ride straighter longer in competition but sometimes you want your horse to think, hey, there's a barrel, pick up my shoulder, move away, instead of, hey, there's a barrel, drop my shoulder and hit it. So this will require the rider to go to a normal arc and then look and ride to a three-foot pocket, but two strides from the barrel, sit deep, step in your outside stirrup, use your inside hand and leg, get their nose, pick up their shoulder, and then make them move away laterally from your inside leg and move them out to a five or six foot pocket. Um, you can even over exaggerate and go seven, but I usually try to stay at five. Um, and, um, you know, normally the biggest pocket you'd want in competition is five and the smallest is three. And it all depends on the horse's size and stride and style. But you can really over exaggerate that. You know, some people will even go 10 feet and really make them give you a nice, you know, depends on how bad the habit is. I just don't want my horse thinking a 10 foot pocket in competition. So if I can go from a three foot and pick them up, move them out five feet going in, five feet on the backside, and then finish tight three feet with my inside hand, inside hip, outside leg, that's what I'm going to do. So I want to use my inside hand and leg to move them out though. So if I'm leaving first barrel, I'm going to second. I'm going to aim in a three-foot pocket and two strides out. I'm going to step in my outside stirrup and pick them up with my inside hand and leg and move them out five, five, three. So five feet going in, five feet on the backside, spots one and two. That's getting them in the hole and then finish tight at the exit or pivot spot, um, spot three. So that's a good way to handle that. Um, <coughs> some horses have so much rate and turn that you have to sit up and drive them deep all the way. You'll hear people sit up, sit up. And um, you don't want to lean forward though. You don't want to look down their neck. You don't want to be over their withers because 
what happens is your balance gets thrown off and you're no longer driving them from your waist down with your seat and your legs, but rather you're like a bobble head up there. You're kind of like out in the ocean, one of those buoys just bobbing away. The horse is going to throw you over the handlebars and they're still going to duck and turn in on you. So um, you've got to sit up, but still ride from the waist down, your hands even and forward, um, your eyes looking between the ears and pushing with your seat and your legs. You can even smooch them in the hole. So um, learn to drive into the hole on those real push style horses. Um, <clears throat> on a normal horse, you can still sit astride out. Um, on a free runner, you might be setting them up four or three strides out, but don't give the rate and the turn cue at the same time. A rate cue is one thing, a turn cue is another, and make sure you are keeping them separate. Uh, let's see here. So um, it does, you know, it is one of those things, like I said, the uh, second barrel is the most challenging. Um, so if you move over as soon as you leave first, that's going to help a lot. So when I leave my first barrel, I want to pull up on the horn at spot three and then get back to two hands, the first stride out and step in my right stirrup. I might be pointing with my right hand immediately and I've trot my horses in the slow work when they feel my right hand, if I'm going to the right barrel first, my right hand's on the rein. So I'm going to point with my right hand as I pull up on the horn. I'm going to use my left leg and that first stride out, they're already three feet over and, um, in position so then all i've got to do is get back to two hands and then look and ride square into the hole and use my left leg if i need it i use double legs between the barrels for go i'll use the inside leg for more pocket or keep them honest or bend the rib cage and i'll use outside leg to snap them up on the back side or the exit to finish a turn or to keep my line straight if you have one that drifts out too much so that's an important thing um Let's see here. So that's something to really think about when you're working a horse. Um, I think that covers most of that. Um, some of the drills that I like to do if I have a horse that's really anticipating, <coughs> I'll do all lefts, all rights with five or 10 foot circles. You can do that with three barrels or four. Um, that's always a good thing. And you can set it up smaller or bigger, depending on what space you have available for your pattern. Uh, I like circles and true turns as well. So if I have a horse that's anticipating, I'll work perfect five-foot circles and then finish tight when I'm ready to go to the next barrel. And that gets the horse really thinking about if she's on her outside hip and shoulder, I stay in the circle. If she goes to her inside hip and shoulder, I snap out. And that's important as well. So um, that's a good drill uh, for that. <coughs> Excuse me. The horse that has no rate, or strung out in the turns. Um, that happens a lot at third. It happens a lot at first. Um, a lot of times at first because they come in with a lot of adrenaline and people miss their arc. They go straight at the barrel so they go top side or they come flying in and they check them and the horse doesn't listen. They go to the fence. Um, a lot of times no rates caused because the rider doesn't sit and prepare the horse four or three strides out three or four strides out, you want to start to sit and say, whoa, if that doesn't work or easy or here, or, hey, whatever works for you and do a two hand bump and make sure if your horse is broke in the face, that two hand bumps going to mean something to them. Um, but if they're not, uh, that, that horse will probably just say nope and just push right through you and still go to the fence. So another way to work on uh, rate issues 
is have a horse that works really good off your body. Um, so it doesn't matter what you have on their head. You can ride in a halter if they work off your body. So do a lot of transition work, walk, trot, walk, post trot, sit, jog, uh, extended canter, slow canter, uh, slow lope. And do this in uh, straight lines and circles. Uh, spirals is great for rate. D pattern is great for rate. Um, you know, just doing the uh, circles in each corner, so the rectangle or, or square with a circle in each corner, so four circle drill. Um, that would be good for that. Uh, but the most important things to consider there is that rate. You know, if they're not rating off your body for, let's say, a loose rein woe, you need to then back it up with your hands. If it, you sit and say woe off your body and your voice, that's your regular breaks. If they don't, then you pick up your hands and back them up for a loose rein woe. Now, if you go to sit for rate, you sit and have a little leg on them. That will just mean to slow down, not stop. But if they don't respond to that, you need to go back to basics. And I would also do it on the pattern as well. So I do it with drills. I do it with the pattern. I do loose rein woe before each barrel and only walk around the barrel. You can walk, trot, and lope to each barrel and stop. And, and if they stop loose rain off your body and your voice, <coughs> pet them. If they don't, <coughs> excuse me, circle again or back them up first and then circle the barrel till they're relaxed. And uh, again, back them up if they don't. If you have a really bad case, you could roll back away from the barrel, go back to the alleyway or go back to the last barrel and repeat it until they um, do a nice loose rain woe. I don't do it above a lope because I don't like... Um, pushing on their hocks that hard to run a horse to a barrel and, and set them in the ground hard. I, I, that's just not my style. But um, anyways, uh, the next thing is um, something else that can think about on this is the first barrel is definitely your money barrel. So, um, you know, to win a race, you've got to be able to run into rim barrels. Bottom line, it's very competitive. Um, it basically sets the pace of your run, that first barrel. If you have a nice first barrel, you build off that momentum. If you have a bad first barrel, you're playing catch up the whole time. And you just, it, it messes you up if you come out of position. So having, knowing your arc is important on that first barrel. You know, a little caddy horse, five to six foot, or a horse that can really wrap a barrel, five to six foot. Average horse is going to be seven to eight feet. You know, the big bubba might be 10 to 15 feet. If it's a really short score, you might be forced to be two strides out from the barrel. Or if you have a horse that's stiff, roll back, or likes to slice a barrel, you're going to want to be two strides away from the barrel in your arc and then aim at a five-foot spot one and two. Um, those are all things to consider on horses that want to slice. If you have a long score, you're going to maybe want to go four strides up the middle and before you head to your, your arc. Um, you need to know your horses. So, again, um, do it in your slow work. Um, so that way they'll respond to you in competition. So, uh, you know, always slow down one speed is a good way to teach rate. A lot of times the horses that don't have rate, like my horses always wanted to rate and turn a barrel because of, again, <clears throat> that slow pattern I put on them, you know, by spending a lot of time showing them exactly what I want at a walk and trot. It was easy for them at a lope. And also by doing my drills before they ever saw the barrels. Um, I like drills for babies to teach them balance and footwork and to work off my body. 
I also like a drill so I don't bore an open horse when I want to do a tune-up. Um, but, you know, if you're training a barrel horse, I like to train on the barrels. But again, I want them to be perfect. I want a perfect pattern slow. <clears throat> if you are not perfect, and this is what gets me when people are doing the pattern, <clears throat> they don't, they're not consistent at a walk or a trot. They don't line up the same place in the alleyway. They don't go to the same arc. They don't ask for the same form around the barrel. How is your horse ever going to be consistent if you're not? If you can't do a perfect pattern at a walk, trot, and a lope, you're never going to do a perfect pattern at a run. So be consistent with that. It's so important. Um, so again, if you have a problem with rate, do transitions, do loose rain woe, um, all those things will help you. If you have a hot, hot horse, do a lot of walking. Walking is really good for this horse. <coughs> Excuse me. It's not a horse you want to spend time doing um, bigger bits and bigger tie downs because a horse that doesn't want to rate can learn to run through any bridle. You don't want to connect to your horse through pain or intimidation. You want to connect to your horse through education and kindness, through... Um, ask and release through you know in a way that they would herd dynamics in a way that they learn automatically you know a horse is a fight or flight animal if you scare them they're gonna flee if you pressure them they're gonna fight um so when i see horses that are blown up and going up the fence or i see horses that don't want to come in the alleyway i know that they've been with a trainer that's meaner than a snake or meaner, what's mean, meaner than a badger, um, you know, that's just, you know, pressures the bejeebies out of them, you know, whoops on them in the alleyway, frams on them in the barrels and frams on them if they make a mistake. I, I mean, I just, that's not a horse that I want to ride behind. I don't want to ride behind that kind of trainer because I would never ride that horse that way. And that horse doesn't love their job. They don't love people. That horse hates their job and doesn't really like people because of the way they've been treated. So, you know, I do believe that you get what you put into it. I don't believe a horse comes out mean. You know, I do think every horse has their own personality, horsonality. Um, some are more skittish. You know, some are more friendly. Some are more standoffish. You know, some are more quirky. But I definitely think that... A horse doesn't want to be bad. Um, you know, some definitely are more challenging and, and are dominant. You know, there's definitely those wood personalities out there. I've owned every um, Chinese element type horse. You know, Bell's my fire and Briscoe's my water and Sister's my earth and Rocky's my wood. And, you know, I've had about every type of horse. Uh, metal was my buddy and Maggie's kind of a combination of them. And um, so every every horse, you know, has their own characteristics, just like people. So you have to learn to work with them, not against them, though. And I've never met a horse that benefits from being frammed on or treated really poorly. Um, you know, I guess that's not a horse that I'm going to want to compete with. So, you know, that's just that's just not my style. So. Anyways, uh, so you have to make those decisions too when you buy a horse. How are they trained? Or when you pick a trainer, would I want to ride behind this person? You know, those kind of things. Um, 
you know, I want to ride behind a horse that doesn't have to run in a wire tie down or, you know, a massive bit or a really hard tune-ups. You know, I want to ride behind a horse that works in a, a light little side pull or light little snaffle and works mainly off body and walks in the alleyway without, you know, craziness. And, you know, that's the kind of horse that I want to ride behind. So speaking of that, um, alleyway issues, um, you know, I've talked about that before. Um, there's at least five reasons, maybe six, that horses get alley issues. Um, one can stem from riders' nerves. If you're nervous, the horse isn't going to go in there. If you're not nervous when you ride at home, if you're not nervous when you uh, exhibition or practice, and then all of a sudden you're nervous, your horse is going to think something's wrong. And um, they don't want no part of it. So you have to learn to control your breathing. You may have to sing a song, learn to meditate, learn how to center yourself, learn to take deep breaths and focus on doing your job so you can stay calm. Everybody has their own routine that they do. Um, the second thing is some horses do get more nervous. So that horse, you need to haul them. And this riders hate to hear this, but I got made a ton of money just taking horses for people that don't want to do the slow work um, and I would just haul them and gate them and do slow exhibitions and exhibition maybe even enter but go slow and easy and and just build that horse's confidence so that they didn't dread the alleyway um, but these these situations where you're backing them in or leading them in on foot or with another horse or having to whoop on them to get them in um, those are all just band-aids and it's not getting to the root of the problem you want to have a calm, confident horse, a happy horse, a horse that loves their job. Uh, another reason a horse might get alley issues is pain. If they have bleeding uh, lungs, if they have stomach ulcers, if they have sore hocks or back or, you know, something sore on them. Those are all reasons a horse will get hot. Now, I'm not saying these horses should walk in like Western Pleasure horses. I realize it's a timed event. Um, some horses come in quieter. Some horses come in more hot and ready to roll because they know that you want to go fast. And, you know, we expect them to, you know, fire. So, of course, some get up. Some will let, them, let you shape them a little. Some will let you go walk, trot, lope, go. Some are a little bit more abrupt. I try not to go from zero to 60, though. I try to kind of, you know, ease walk, trot, go or, or trot, lope, go. But Try not to go, you know, hold, 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 run, unless it's a horse you've got to kind of ease in there and line them up. So you, again, need to know your horse. But that horse should still come in the alleyway without a fight, without having to be um, a dramatic thing. If it is a dramatic thing, you need to take the time to stop competing and fix it. And that might require vet care. It might require hauling just to gate, just to exhibition slow. Um, just to gate on every drag and not enter. Again, people don't like to hear that, but that's the only way you can fix some of these problems. Um, okay, so uh, I still have several things to talk about. There's about five more topics, but I've already been talking for a half an hour, so I think I'll save this for next week. Um, we'll do more common problems with TLC solutions part two next week. But I would like to, I try to keep them at 30 minutes because I know people's time is valuable. And, you know, you might be listening while you clean stalls or while you're driving to work or whatever. But anyways, I'd like to close with reminding you to think about some things. Number one, 
who are you? You know, can you, can you actually, um, you know, when someone says, who are you, what would your answer be? You know, is it, I'm a daughter of God, you know, I'm a, a, a loving, kind, caring woman. I'm a mother of a, a daughter, a sister, you know, what, what is your answer? You know, I'm a barrel racer. I'm driven. I'm a goal chaser. You know, who are you? It's important to know who you are. It's important to know, number two, what is your why? You know, what's your purpose? What's your passion? You know, is your purpose, like my purpose before was to train, have my own training business and make 1D horses and be the best mom I could be and be a great wife and, and all of that. And chapters and, and chapters go by in your book and, and sometimes your why changes, you know, and, and my purpose, you know, is is helping others now and helping horses. And that's kind of always been my, my goal with my business for the 30 years. But now that's all I do. Um, you know, and I, I try to do that in a, in a way that would be pleasing, you know, to God or Jesus, you know, and, and, and that's helpful for the horses and builds relationships and confidence with horses and riders. So, but everybody's going to have their own why, why they, want what they want, why would they do? Maybe you want a simple life on a farm with your horses. Um, maybe you want to live debt free. Maybe you want to, you know, get to the NFR. Maybe, you know, everybody has their own whys of what they want. And that's the third thing. What do you want? You know, what's your goals in life? What's going to make you happy or give you peace? Um, number four, next is how do I get there? You know, and, and honestly, the way that you get there is to write down your goals and then do it one day at a time, one step at a time and never quit and always keep praying about it. And eventually you will get to those places that you want to be. So I just want you to know, um, I know everybody deals with things. Sometimes everybody, you know, you're on cloud nine, everything's going awesome. And then sometimes things are just crashing around you all the time and you're just dealing with stuff, you know, just getting through the day one step at a time, one breath at a time. So um, just realize that good times don't last forever, but bad times don't either. So it's just part of life and barrel racing, lots of ups and downs. But I think the more as um, the more we know who we are, what's our why, what we want out of life, um, you know, out of our you know, barrel racing or, or horses. Um, and, and, and then we want to know how to get there. You know, those are the things that you kind of have to journal about. And that's why I stress journaling a lot this summer. I'm going to try to redo my record keeper and make it bigger and better. Um, you know, that's what I like to do in the summer when I don't have clinics and lessons slow down. I have time to fix my notebooks and get all my members switched over to the coach now. Right now I've got like 80 some, so I'm about three quarters done getting everybody set up in the new app. And then I want to redo my book. So a lot of times those are my good summer projects when it's too hot outside uh, for anything else. But um, I'm going to close there and uh, just say that I hope, uh, I hope you found some things in this podcast helpful. And next week we'll cover uh, more common problems and TLC solutions with that. And uh, as always, ride with heart and God bless.